0: Hey there everyone. We are the MI Guys. My name is John Gilbert and this is Casey Jackson and we are with the Institute for Individual and Organizational Change here to help you enhance your communication skills from an evidence-based perspective, yes. be it for individuals, the communities, communities you serve or the organizations uh, you're a part of. Uh, we want to help you in that and today we're going to talk about uh, a topic called the physics of communication which might seem vague but it's really starting to get a sense of what are these predictable things that if you do this it's probably going to result in this what's just the tendency of things to happen when you do certain things in communication so that's kind of the vagueness we're going to put a probably a motivational interviewing type lens on that but uh where would you like to start with that Oh you're, you're kind of the originator. <laughs> just real quick, not everyone talks about the physics of communication like this in the motivational interviewing world, and we're going to put that lens on it, but it really gets into just predicting the predictability of these things you came across when you learned MI, and it just – this tends to do this. So yes. just would you talk about how you kind of came on to sure. think about – the physics of communication versus always calling it just motivational interviewing.
1: Well, I I think it's interesting because there's a talk that you and I had around um, techniques and methods Mm -hmm. around motivational interviewing and fidelity. And I remember the thing that struck me when I was thinking about the construct of resistance. And this became, it was a core construct in motivational interviewing. And then it became kind of a controversial topic. And then it kind of fell out of favor the concept of resistance um and when i was learning about resistance and i was looking at it through a motivational learning lens when i was first learning on on just the skill set and on training it the thing that i what struck me because i like to i like to look at definitions too and and look at uh, what the source of it is because i don't like to just spew words necessarily i just i want to have some not that I can't spew words, but I definitely can do that, too. <laughs> you can definitely uh, spew words. You can definitely spew words. On the Jackson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no <laughs> that's, no Yes. Um, but, uh, but it really was around the definition of it. So when I was looking at it, there was different ways to look at resistance. And what I liked the construct of when I was learning motivational interviewing is resistance as the energy between two things. Where it fell out of favor in motivational interviewing is some people were taking it as You're dealing with the resistance of an individual. So they were stigmatizing, stigmatizing, labeling, Mm -hmm. blaming the individual for being resistant. And I always scratch my head thinking, well, that's not even the definition of resistance per Mm -hmm. physics. Mm -hmm. And that's where I started in motivational interviewing as a, um, a field of study they shifted literally, I mean, it was explicitly stated we're shifting away from resistance because of blaming the client. And we're going to shift towards using a term like discord, um, which is a lack of harmony, it's discordant. It's it's, something's off. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and so for me, that was a descriptor, but it didn't really get into the physics of what I contribute to and what I can also contribute getting out of. Mm. And what struck me one day, because you know, me and analogies and you guys have gotten to learn that I (laughs) like analogies and metaphors. And I remember, um, That particular training, they'd shipped my the packets, and they were wrapped in rubber bands. And I took the rubber band off. I was laying there, and it just hit me. And I use that example all the time Mm -hmm. now. I literally picked up the rubber band in the training because I'd been looking at the physics of resistance. And I said, "Well, how much resistance is in the rubber band?" So we're not labeling the rubber band. How much resistance? And everybody's like, "Well, there's no resistance." And I grab it and I pull on it, and they're like, "How much resistance now?" Like, "Oh, it's getting tighter and tighter." I said, "Exactly." But if I let go of it, then there's no resistance. It snaps me, but then there's no resistance. So resistance is the energy between two things. Mm -hmm. And that's an easy physics. So it doesn't matter if we're talking about a rubber band or we're talking about a conversation. And that's where I started becoming more obsessed with looking cross-culturally at basic physics of communication Mm -hmm. and how motivational viewing fits from that perspective. Mm -hmm. And so when you start from, when we talk about when you and I had the conversation on what is motivational interviewing. Um, I remember we were talking about uh, the the primary goal of motivational interviewing, the first of many goals in MI is to reduce resistance Mm -hmm. or eliminate discord um, or reduce it. And so when you think of from a physics perspective in that rubber band example, what I was explaining to people is every time you open your mouth in any conversation, you can increase tension or you can reduce tension. And ultimately, you want to eliminate tension because if you eliminate the tension, if you eliminate the resistance, then the rubber band is on its own. So the re- the rubber band may have ambivalence. Mm-hmm. The person may have ambivalence and feel two ways, but they're not focusing outside themselves, which mm-hmm. is where resistance comes in. Mm-hmm. So for me, I didn't want to get into a semantics dance around it. I wanted something that was didn't matter who came up with a new thought or a new concept or new verbiage around it. I wanted naive brains or learners that are learning motivational interviewing to be able to go oh, this is consistently true no matter what the model is. No matter what other language people try to throw around it, how do we look at this? And that's where I started getting excited. It's also Mm -hmm. where I got excited about, we've talked about fidelity before, about is it consistent and measurable? Well, somebody's concept or their own brainchild, there may be fidelity, there may not be fidelity, as you learn that model or that recipe. Um, But physics is something that's going to be pretty consistent. And so I like the thought of, Building something that even if the model continued to evolve and grow, Mm -hmm. the fundamental physics of how we change behavior should be relatively consistent. Mm -hmm. Again, for the most part, cross-culturally, there's going to be different variations potentially around that. But I just like the thought of that. And what I thought from a naive brain or a professional brain learning motivational interviewing Myself, is who can be a little bit of a cynical participant in trainings, You know, the longer you're in the field, I think there, you can be cynical about the quality of trainings that come out. One of the things that I thought is any person logically, no matter what your skill set is, can have an appreciation for, wow, if I pick something up and drop and it's going to hit the ground and that's consistent, I can pay attention to that. Like mm-hmm. I need to learn more about this. And that's what I started thinking about with the physics of communication with motivational interviewing is... If you confront somebody, they usually get defensive.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that's physics. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's very few people that you can confront and scream at and attack who aren't going to have go on the offensive or go on the defensive. Mm-hmm. And that was another concept I started looking at from just kind of the physics of communication. It's a normal, natural human response. It's a it's a lizard brain response. Mm-hmm. If somebody's going to attack you, our are instinctual responses to go on the offensive mm-hmm. or go on the defensive that's that's mm-hmm. that's human physics mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to be able to do that so in communication if somebody's going to blame outside themselves there's probably going to be some resistance that gets generated in mm-hmm. that so that's for me when I started talking from that perspective it seemed to kind of level the playing field and it kind of neutralized like oh mm-hmm. this is just the A new model or motivational wing is just a fad, or Mm -hmm. you know, just kind of the 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 panacea or the new technique that's coming through, Mm -hmm. you know, professional circles. And I really wanted to boil it down to. Across time, these things are going to be consistent, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and then can we learn how to manage them differently? So mm-hmm. that was kind of the way my brain first started thinking about mm-hmm. motivation from a physics perspective and less from an acronyms perspective.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't even dove into that, which we can totally expand on um, with the why not acronyms more and why the physics more. We can definitely go there. One thing I want to ask, since it's something we've we've intentionally talked about a little more, is maybe some examples of what you're talking about sure. uh, would be really interesting. One thing I want to Say, before we go right there, that, that seems to be building off of this is Thomas Gordon, who's a very famous uh, psychologist and helped with, you know, years before MI, he was doing lots of pieces of yes. um, reflective listening and everything that came out, um, or his, his, his mentor with Carl Rogers. And he came up with these things that we train on called T- Thomas Gordon's roadblocks, watching all this communication on yes. his videos and listening and realized what blocks communication. And it, it sounds like this is kind of one MI kind of version of that. What, what are the tendencies that we've seen with an MI lens that tend to create re- resistance or discord or these? And you're just kind of naming them or giving them a little more... Yes. Um, here if you do this this tends to happen it's not saying it's bad right. it's not necessarily saying it's good it's just this is a tendency and yes. it's kind of this neutral pointing out of like a physics equation almost. yes so with that said what are we haven't really talked about the relationship and i don't know how deep mm-hmm. you want to go into like writing reflex equipoise and resistance we talk about that in shorter trainings yeah that can be very powerful for people we could talk about that and or we could get
1: into examples what do you think would be I, th- I think because we, we have the whole podcast on the writing reflex and equipoise, so okay. I can touch on that a little bit here just kind of to weave it in, So we, because we know they're not distinct and separate. Mm-hmm. They're all kind of part of the same feeling or formula. I think what I'll do is let's talk about writing reflex and equipoise and look at the, the lens through physics about the next thing I think of once you reduce the resistance. Mm-hmm. So if people are comfortable with the term discord, think discord. If we're thinking physics, I'm going to use the term resistance as tension between two things. And now we're going to look at motivation going through these lens and why I look at it from a physics perspective. So what I think of it, when I was looking at kind of studying the physics and communication and how we tend to respond, again, cross-culturally, if you think of self-determination theory, there's lots of theories about personal growth and development. But fundamentally, most human beings on the planet genuinely want their behavior to be aligned with what they say their values are. So you can say you're trustworthy you can say that you operate from a high level of integrity. You can say that um, having strong relationships is really important to you, you really value these things. And I can say, well, John, I remember that one time when you lied to him about that. And your first reaction, it's almost a physics reaction, as soon as somebody points out that your behavior isn't in alignment with your values mm-hmm. or what you say your goals are, our knee-jerk reaction tends to be to blame outside of ourselves. Or to make an excuse. Yeah, but you don't understand. Or yeah, but this that's was going on. That's it. Yeah, but. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, th- and that's what you start to realize. And, and it's that, when you are talking about before, it's predictable and probable. Oh, John, you operate from a level of integrity. What about when you did this? The first thing you want to do is blame outside yourself or make an excuse. It doesn't mean that people don't come back around at times mm-hmm. and take responsibility mm-hmm. or want to move forward. Mm-hmm. But it's that knee-jerk re- that reaction or mm-hmm. that reflex that we tend to have if we get called out or even if we catch ourselves and call ourselves out Mm -hmm, on it, it's like, oh, you said you were going to start dieting on Monday, and now here you are shoving donuts in your face, and it's 8 o'clock on Monday morning, and the first thing to your brain is, yeah, but it was a, a tough drive to work today, mm-hmm. or yeah, but, I mean, the first things is blame it. You know, my kids were so obnoxious, I just can't take it, and mm-hmm. so I just had to have a donut this morning. Like, it's just we have to blame outside of ourselves or make mm-hmm. excuses when mm-hmm. our behavior doesn't line up with what we say our values are, and that's predictable and probable. Mm-hmm. And so now when we back up and look at what we talked about in what makes MI MI or M mm-hmm. I, if you think of the first construct, it's easier for us to blame outside of ourselves, which is where resistance comes from. And if the primary goal of MI is to eliminate that from a physics perspective, what you're going to get access to is that somebody feels two ways about something. Mm-hmm. When they feel conflicted internally, that's where the ambivalence or the contemplation comes in. They're feeling there's reasons why they're stuck, reasons they want to change. If I jump into the equation and tell you what I think you need to do, it literally rescues you from your ambivalence, and you get to focus on me and say, well, you don't understand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you get to go back to the resistance perspective. Mm -hmm. So it's again, it's so predictable and so probable, it made it a fairly easy bridge to walk over to have people think about this. It's it's physics. It's predictable Mm -hmm. and probable. In most uh, situations, if somebody gets confronted, they're going to have some level of defensive response. It's going to be either internally focused, externally focused, but we are going to have some level of response when we get confronted. It's our, our lizard brain. And if our behavior gets called out or we catch our own behavior not in alignment with it, mm-hmm. there's a high probability or predictability they're going to blame outside themselves. We're going to make an excuse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's like, oh, that's pretty consistent. I don't mm-hmm. need an acronym to come up with yeah. a term for that. It's just like, oh, that makes sense. And when people think about that, it's, it's interesting, and you know this too with all the trainings that we do, so many people after the first two-day training and they they learn so much of this, they're not even thinking about their client base. They're thinking about their primary relationships. They're thinking about their children. They're thinking about their family of origin because it's like this applies to every situation I can think of. They're thinking about employers. They're thinking about supervisors. They're thinking about colleagues. It's like family, friends, any Any situation, any interpersonal Mm -hmm. situation, Mm -hmm. and you can find out where do I get triggered? I get triggered by my neighbor because he did this or she did this, and Mm -hmm. it's like oh, this is just, wow, that is how people mm-hmm, work. Mm-hmm. So it was interesting the more I started looking at physics and communication and human behavior and how our communication impacts that. Mm-hmm. It seemed to be a much more... Um, transcendent. Yeah, right. transcendent and easier to access from a, mm-hmm. from a skill-based perspective or a desire to learn that. It's like, wow, I want to learn this. And what's interesting with it being when you start to understand it with physics, I think it's the same thing like watching optical illusions or things like that as well too. It almost seems like magic. Like when someone feels heard and understood, all of a sudden the resistance drops almost immediately and they start to explain their dilemma and you focus on their values and they start to give you change talk. And it's like this conversation unfolds and it's like, wait, this just happened in, eight or nine minutes 10 minutes 15 minute conversation and i've been talking to this person with the same issue for the last five years we keep going around in circles and circles and now within 15 minutes it feels like we're making progress Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so in some ways it seems like magic but it's the same thing with physics you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when you learn how to use a pivot point or use how to use a pulley it's like my gosh this could have been so much easier Mm -hmm, why didn't mm -hmm. i learn this years ago Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um on this so interesting so so that's why i wanted to kind of um break it from the model, especially from people hearing so many people come to training saying, Well, I already been through training on motivational interviewing. I learned this one has in grad school. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did motivational before it was even called motivational interviewing. Yeah. And when they start to look through this lens, it's like, wow, that's not what I learned. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and this has an immediate impact on my practice and mm-hmm. or individuals or conversations that I'm having.
0: Well and you're talking also about this thing that doesn't necessarily need to be full-on motivational interview, and We have a whole podcast on that of what is MI and what makes it MI and yeah. not mindful communication and these other... And I mention that because even if you just learned how to monitor your own awareness of your writing reflex, which yes. we have a whole thing that describes what that gets into, but let's say you're saying something political that I disagree with and I go, Ooh, mm, I don't... I'm not quite sure. I'm mindful to go, oh, okay... I'm just having a reflex and uh, if I want to make this about you, I need to manage that. Right. Um, and to manage that means to stay in equal position in equal boys. And if I can do that, there's less likelihood that we're going to have resistance because then I'm not responding and yabbuting you so you don't yeah but me. Yes. And so there's just this being the change we want to see kind of going on, but yeah. that's emotional and that's something I wanted to bring up that we've both seen, but you've, you've especially pointed out at trainings is we can be knowing all this and we might, uh, agree with it, believe like, Oh, that makes total sense, but that doesn't mean it's easy. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, that's and it depends how much self, very, very true. <laughs> <laughs> I would say it depends how much self-work you've done and all sorts yes. of other things that we could get into that, that are beyond MI, but there's this, just knowing that basic physics is helpful for informed choice on how to navigate communication in your world, regardless of all the rest of MI stuff that we have information of. That alone is a physics kind of tendency that we can predict based off of what happens. So what would you say uh, is the issue then of why this is so difficult? And I mean, you can, of course, respond to anything that's come up. But it seems to be the number one thing is this physics idea makes so much sense, but it doesn't mean it's easy. So what do you see happening with that?
1: Well, I, I think there's a couple levels that I look at it from, but fundamentally what I think of is the vast majority of time, it depends on how attached are you to the outcome. Mm. And this can be personally or professionally. So I can be incredibly attached if you're my son, I can be incredibly attached to that outcome of whether or not you go to college or whether or not you stop smoking marijuana or whether or not you marry the right girl or the right guy. Mm -hmm. I mean it just Mm -hmm. there's so many things that I can be attached Mm -hmm. to that it is harder to to manage all the things that go inside of me as a human being if I'm really attached to your outcome. Mm -hmm. So that that trips up the so the physics are the Mm -hmm. same. But to manage it in a, in a skillful, mindful way is significantly different depending on how I ta- attached I am to the outcome. Mm-hmm.
0: If you're... Um, By the way, I'm, I'm not Casey's son, just so we've had that question.
1: Uh, no. <laughs> No, we've had that question before. Because he's way older than me. But <laughs> this is what this is what plant based living does to you.
0: Like Benjamin Button. Exactly, yeah, yeah, Benjamin
1: Button. So yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's ten years older than me, but looks like twenty years younger. Yeah, you're so, still yeah, the director, so exactly, there's something going Exactly. So I'm just smarter. So um, so part of the part of the physics with that um, is the more attached we get, and that, I think this professionally as well too. If we get paid for certain outcomes. We will step over the physics of communication thinking that if we push people or prod them or coerce them or confront them, that they're going to end up in a better outcome. Mm -hmm. Um, And what research shows is we tend to get... You know more negative outcomes as we do those approaches. Mm-hmm. What we can do is we can get people to be compliant for yeah. the moment, yeah, but it's not going to have the yeah in the short run. But it's not going to have an impact on sustained mm-hmm. behavior change, which is what we always talk about with mm-hmm. motivational interviewing. Is it's a behavior change method of communication. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So those are the things you even look at from a physics perspective. The difference between behavior change and compliance. Yes, yes. What is the energy that's generated? The um, one of the slides that I show to show physics is. Uh, A picture of Sisyphus uh, pushing the boulder up the mountain. Mm -hmm. And what's fascinating from a physics perspective is you look at the the energy expenditure and the toll that it takes him over time when he's being forced to do it. But then the physics of it actually changes when you look at the picture. The picture doesn't change. But what if this is a choice that he makes? Yes. What if he chooses what if he gets this is one of the, the greatest joys in his life is to get up in the morning and run out there and push the boulder and nobody makes him do it. What does that do to the quality of his life? Mm-hmm. And so those are that has to do with physics. Not only the physics of the work that he's doing every day to push the boulder. Um, but where's the source of motivation coming from? And this yeah. is fundamentally the difference about how attached are we the outcome mm-hmm. with compliance or behavior change. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, there's so many aspects of this you can look at from a mm-hmm. physics perspective or right. a, a pseudo physics perspective. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, so a that's a good cool point. Bit, yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Well, you're also talking about what a lot of you may have heard about out there around intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation. Right. and. I mean, for anyone that's really into the Sisyphus world, you show a picture of like a really ripped guy. So there was just the um, CrossFit games. And these people are superhuman, uh, whether we get into all the other things that they may or may not be taking. These people are superhumans that wake up and train like Sisyphus just day in, day out. They'll have some recovery, but they that's their life. And they're intrinsically driven for whatever reason to have this success, to have this respect, to have this, whatever it's in it for them, this drive where then someone else might look at that and be like, these people are freaking crazy. What are you kidding me? It's hard enough for me to just go on a walk around the block or something, you know, like, uh, and so it's such a good example. Is it someone that's being told or pushed or kind of coerced or sold into a behavior? Or is it that you're driven from within? And it doesn't necessarily mean that the behavior has to be exercise. And this is just one example. But that if I'm gonna try to help you with uh, something with your mental health or meds, or that would be impossible anyway. So (laughs) (laughs) it would be, I would have to be focused on what drives you. And if you wanna hang out on that corner, how are your behaviors aligning with getting to hang on that corner for you or not versus how much you're ending up, uh, either in the hospital or in jail. And I have to operate from that place, not from society's view of what you should do, or that I'm stigmatizing or diagnosing you as having a mental health and trying to get you to do this thing I want you to do. That's all outside of you versus operating from within you is really stepping in your shoes and trying to figure out what motivates you and is your behavior helping you get more towards who you want to be. It's a very different place to be than I'm using physics, kind of like we talked about some yes. of the other part. I'm using physics to technique them to get them to go where I want. Right. I'm just aware of the physics... And then I have informed choice. Do I go for compliance and try to get them to do something outside of them that I want them to do? Or do I use a long-term behavior change approach and still be aware of these physics, but be ethically influential in helping them be more of who they want to be?
1: You know, John, and when you talk about that, the, one of the thoughts that struck me, I, I, I've told this story before um, about my mom who, you know, I was raised in a baseball family and um Mom used to sit right behind, much to the chagrin of her children uh, and the umpire, she would sit right behind home plate, front row bench, right behind home plate, and somebody would just drill a line shot foul ball into the screen and everybody would flinch or drop to the ground. Mom would just stare to see if it was inside or outside the plate, Hmm. you know, if it was a strike or not, because she'd sat there long enough, she knows it's not going to hit her. Hmm. And and I think that's part of the physics too with the writing reflex and staying in equipoise is... Hmm. You it, Once you understand the physics, once you understand that there's no way that ball's coming through the screen, it gives you more ability to make decisions of what you want to do with your time in those moments. Mm-hmm. And and since it is a method of communication, it literally is what do you want to do with those responses and how do I want to respond mm-hmm. to the language that I'm hearing from the person in front of me? Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a very strategic response. Mm-hmm. But people can say things that offend us. Somebody can say, you know, um, well, of course I beat my wife, but she deserved it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I drink a six pack or two a night before I go to bed, but it helps me relax, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm for the most part, I'm fine. I don't miss too many days of work. Mm-hmm. We can hear things like that or, you know, well, sometimes a kid just needs a good smack. You mm-hmm. know, and it's my mm-hmm. child. And you can't tell me how to parent. I can smack him on the butt if I want to. Mm-hmm. And if it leaves a bruise, that means he's going to remember not to do it next mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. We can say these kind of things. And they're going to trigger a response. I mean, because I a think it's response. wrong
0: to hit your kid. I think you're drinking too much. I think this is wrong. And so my internal trigger is that I want to be right and make you right. So I'm going to respond to my writing reflex. Yes. And then it takes me out of being in an equal position, which makes you sense that I'm judging you. Absolutely. And now you're going to defend why you do what you because do. Because you are much.
1: judging me. Yeah. That's exactly why I feel creates, it. creates then the non-stigmatized resistance. It exactly. creates the discord. It's, exact, it's mm-hmm. exactly it. Because as soon as you start then to challenge me, then I'm going to defend it because you don't understand. So now it's not only about my issue, now it's going to become personal. Mm-hmm. And even if you're working from the best of mm-hmm. intention, that still is going to generate a response to it. Mm-hmm. To me, that's, it's, you can look at it through so many lenses and so many different terminologies, but fundamentally, it's predictable it's predictable and probable. Mm -hmm. And just because I have an MD after my name or just because I have an MSW after my name or a Mm -hmm. license after Mm -hmm. my name doesn't mean that people aren't still going to have a human Mm -hmm. response when you confront them with information that they don't want to hear.
0: It also depends where people are at. As we start to think about this too, we talked about this in... in, What was it? I think we talked about this more in the What Is M.I. podcast, actually, um, around depending on where someone's at. We haven't gotten to stages of change necessarily. We don't need to dive deep into that. But if someone has this, you know, sense of credibility about them. Dr. Richard Caldini, I think, has a whole book on influence. They might be, you know, influence that maybe I should listen to you, but fundamentally, most of the time, most people are gonna go like, uh, I don't know, and they're gonna want to be defensive. And then you start to throw in, okay, well, maybe they're gonna give them a little credibility, but they're gonna defend, right? There's that. But then there's also the whole influential part of how you go Okay, I'm challenging them because this is big in the self-growth uh, world. Yeah, But a lot of times people that hire coaches that aren't going to a training because the organization yes. uh, is going through this training or you're hiring someone, uh, say it was us for the Micah or something like a coach for you, right? Like you're inherently more motivated. So you're not as likely To go always back to defending. But there is something, even when people hire personal trainers or coaches, there is this little reactance called psychological reactance within us that's like, I really want to defend myself, but I got to pull myself back. Unless you're really highly motivated and really open and seeking feedback, like that book, Thanks for the Feedback, you can be seeking that and, and confrontation may be what you're looking for, may help you, but it's so small amount of the time that most people most of the time it's that's who we're talking about and all these examples yes is you can predict that for most people most of the time mi is not this panacea we're not saying it covers all these no. areas but no. these physics are very clear when someone is probably in the earlier stages of even thinking or not thinking about a change and i just wanted to throw that out there just to get a sense of gosh well is it inherently bad to confront well it's just likely to get resistance right and that's what we're talking about is likelihoods so when you're thinking about kind of where you've come to where you are now and talking about physics because it's been some years how has that uh, evolved for you or where have you kind of been to where you've come because it started with the rubber band and now is it any different has it shaped a little differently
1: what are your thoughts I think it's entrenched the thoughts. I think these are the balances between the nuances in motivational interviewing, like when and we strategic look at it through, responding yeah, strategic responding. When we look through a fidelity model, um, there's things we know. I mean, we know, you know, and you're somebody that probably recite all the research around it too. Is we know if we listen for, reflect, and elicit more change talk. You're going to get more change talk. Mm -hmm. We know that if we reflect more and elicit more stuck talk and excuses, if we do that, we're probably going to get more of that. Mm -hmm. And so that there's an element of that that's oh, there's a part of again physics or pseudo physics to that that's just like it's predictable and probable. And now Mm -hmm. we've measured it and we find out that's true. Mm -hmm. We know that if we take change talk and learn how to convert it to commitment talk, there's a higher correlation with mm-hmm. change behavior. Mm-hmm. So, so I think there's those aspects that I've learned too over time that there's this thread of cause and effect. Mm-hmm. And then I have so much more mindfulness about what comes out of my mouth most of the time um, when you're or being, mindful of yeah, when I'm being mindful of it um, <laughs> or the times that I just think screw this I'm going to do what I want to do um, which is a whole
0: other uh, <laughs> podcast we could do can you turn it on or can you turn it off uh, I've been uh, asked that question many times uh, yes. so. <laughs> um,
1: and so with that in mind then it's the same thing with the physics and I think that's evolved from the rubber band example that first struck me into looking at how it's evolved um through this point as mm-hmm. well, too. I, I think of even looking at, so that evolved, and I was looking at resistance, and then the that, that power between resistance, the writing reflex, and equipoise. Mm-hmm. Like when people say things or do things that trigger our writing reflex, that we think, why are you saying that? That's so wrong, that's so inappropriate. That's my trigger to it. Mm -hmm. And then I want to respond to it. It's predictable and probable. It's going to generate Mm -hmm. resistance like you and I were talking Mm -hmm. about before. And what's more interesting is if I don't respond, if I don't have an emotional response, if I can learn to detach from the outcome, which is a whole different aspect of physics as well to how Mm -hmm. attached am I into the to that then what they're going to tend to do is if they can't blame anybody else, they're going to start to explain why they feel the way they feel, mm-hmm. which is more internal and not as much external mm-hmm. in the focus. Mm-hmm. So it's predictable if I don't get caught in the writing reflex, I don't get mm-hmm. caught in confronting them, mm-hmm. that they they have the capacity to work through some of their pros and cons that they've thought of in their own head, mm-hmm. but they're so used to defending their side of it. Mm-hmm. So another piece of the physics part is how attached am I attach to the outcome. If And we just take a real example. If I'm trying to drag you to a finish line that you really don't care about, you're either just gonna go, and once you cross the finish line, go do what you're gonna do originally, or if you don't wanna go to the finish line, you're gonna kick and stream and fight and bite and do everything mm-hmm. you can to stay away from the finish line mm-hmm. because I'm the one who's trying to pull you there. Mm-hmm. That again, it's it can be predictable and probable if you're mm-hmm. not attached to that outcome or you're opposed to that particular outcome, there's a higher likelihood it's going to generate even higher resistance. Mm-hmm. And the more I push it, the more that tension or that discord between the two is going to mm-hmm. increase significantly. Mm-hmm. So th- there's all these aspects that I've seen. And then ultimately, um, and I don't know if we'll ever do it. I think we probably will end up doing a, a, a podcast on this as well, is with relationship. Um mm-hmm. And so I am somebody attached so that, to the outcome, so attached to the outcome and so attached to relationship. I mean, as a bleeding heart, social worker, I loved relationship. I still love relationship. I love connection. I love being able to get into it with people and, and feel that sense of connection. You're talking
0: about a professional relationship, personal and professional, okay, okay.
1: just a very, a very relationship oriented person. And the thing that I realized from a physics perspective, especially if we're thinking about, again, specifically, what are we trying to impact? And again, this is controversial again, uh, is I genuinely, from a physics perspective, believe that relationship is not part of behavior change. When you're trying to help somebody resolve their ambivalence towards getting their behavior in line with their values and their goals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'm not going to say across every piece of behavior change, relationship yeah. is completely irrelevant. Yeah, yeah. But when I think of, when my brain tries to get to the purity of how I look at the mechanisms that affect behavior change, mm-hmm. relationship can cause somebody to be thinking outside themselves about how that person. So if you and I mm-hmm. are are trying to build a strong relationship mm-hmm. and you have a, uh, an issue with drinking and I'm an addiction counselor um, and I'm attached to that outcome, you are talking to my brain. You're trying to shape information so I'll have reactions or won't have reactions, mm-hmm. or you don't, you don't care what I think mm-hmm. and you're going to be, you know, talk that way to me. The less I'm attached to your outcome and have you start to walk through that yourself, we don't have to have a relationship for that to happen. The relationship, as far as if I have my arm around your shoulder kind of metaphorically and just saying, John, you know, I care about you. you're such a good kid. Why are mm-hmm. you doing this to yourself? That means your decision making is in relationship with me. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily in relationship with yourself. And behavior change comes from your relationship with yourself about your mm-hmm. own values and your own goals. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that there's not social impact.
0: Yeah. There's social influence
1: for sure. There's, yeah, yeah. there's relationship influence, mm-hmm. but those influences don't necessarily set up for mm-hmm. a sustained behavior change. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. might lose weight because you want to get into the right dress for, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. or suit for mm-hmm. your wedding mm-hmm. or somebody wants you to lose weight so you can get into the right mm-hmm. dress or you care about that person. Absolutely. And since you're open and motivated, you you are open and motivated.
0: So you're at this place of, okay. I, I do want to contribute to this person to have this connection with them. Yes. It's going to be further along in that change process yes. if you are. But a lot of where am I that that just to bring this back is especially this perspective of physics that we're talking about. Yes. Uh, resistance, equipoise uh, with a writing reflex it's those beginning stages of someone even considering any change at all that they might not be thinking about change, that they're pre-contemplating it. And when they're in that phase, what we're talking about is absolutely critical and very predictable. The more you go along this spectrum, I would hypothesize I can't point to any specific research article, but the longer you get on, the the more that social influence comes in that you could collaborate together, just like you could professionally, you could do that personally, but most of the time, it's really focusing in on that person, who yes. they want to be. That's what you're getting at. And then everything else is kind of in relation to that.
1: Right. And this is why I would talk about from a physics perspective, mm-hmm. why a relationship can actually cause a drag and a change process. Because if you're thinking about, well, I wonder what Casey's going to say. I wonder what Casey thinks about this. I wonder how he's going to respond to this that doesn't necessarily get you clear about what do you need to do to be the person you want to be. So for me, from an efficiency perspective, again, relationships not bad. Mm -hmm. When I look through that lens, what I think of is those are the things that can cause tension or mm-hmm. resistance or potential discord, and I think, but isn't the primary goal to get rid of any tension mm-hmm. or discord or resistance, mm-hmm. which means that that relatable piece of it as relating to each mm-hmm. other can actually be counterproductive to an individual's change process and mm-hmm. their, their own relationship with their self and their own values and goals. Yeah. So so th- this is why we can look at a full spectrum, like all the things we've talked mm-hmm. about, um, of all the ways that I, I look at this from a physics perspective. Mm-hmm. And I just think it has a different feel than if you look at it from, not that it's wrong, yeah. it's just not a better or worse, it's just from my brain, it's so much easier for me to teach from a uh, uh, physics perspective than making sure people memorize acronyms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so. And so...
0: On this, there's, there's, I can't remember the name of the individual. He invites people to train. He's a mint trainer. And he invites people to train in California. Um, Stephen
1: Andrews or Steve Berg Smith. Steve Berg Smith,
0: yeah, Steve Berg Smith, uh, wonderful trainer out there, very giving, very uh, wonderful person. Um, he uh, had a, a, I think a quote or one of his participants around how if you can something about eliminating the pushback against change. To just have it's the physics you're talking about it opens people up to consider it yes. if they're not pushing against it yes and it's such a wonderful uh, and if people are really struggling at a training and we've been talking for a while i'll have them do the little hand exercise yeah but if you're pushing against something you're not open and considering you're using your effort to do this versus to go huh and we even use these you know in the in the you Talk about this as ambivalence, you yes. know, sustained talk, change talk, and really going, huh, this is different than this. Yes. And you're just getting to this place when you're thinking about how do I engage with them in a way that this leads to this leads to this. And it doesn't mean I'm manipulating them in the sense of the word that I am trying to get you to my outcome. If I'm really doing this, we are talking about the physics. So you could do that if you want to be uh, what I would consider less ethical and and more in a manipulative place,
1: which is not motivational.
0: Exactly what I was just about to say. That's the compassion component of MI of how, if I'm going to be compassionate, your agenda matters more than mine. And I'm going to use my awareness of these physics to help you get to where you want to be, which we talk about over and over, but it's so critical to this. The thing that I wanted to bring up in relation to what you've talked about are two practical examples that I think are really uh, powerful of what you're talking about. One harps back to earlier around the whole kind of speaking with a store clerk, just what you pay attention to, you'll hear more about. And then uh, there was another one as well. Maybe I'll remember it. Okay. Now my short-term memory is failing, okay. but let's go with that. And uh, maybe I'll remember the other one as well. But you know, So just you talk a... about that. Or... Well, yeah, because if you, you were talking about it earlier about just how if you pay attention to sustained talk or change talk, you're likely to get more of it. That's very aligned. And you use this wonderful uh, example in the trainings around like, well, where can I start practicing some oh. of this? That's really practical where you can watch kind of the physics play out in front of you. And you yes. use that example of like going to the grocery store or something like
1: that. It just, when people ask for just small bites or how do I, how can I just practice some of these smaller things and things you can actually just physically notice, you can notice the physics of, is I just, as I was trying to get better at the micro skills of MI, one thing I did that's cheesy, but it worked really well for me, is when I check out at any type of a store, Freddy's or, you know, Winco, wherever I go, grocery store, whatever store, is I just ask an open-ended question. What mine tended, my go-to tended to be, what is it like to work on your feet all day? Um, so I just ask an open ended question and then I would hold myself accountable to only use strategic reflections. And that's where I started getting better at watching the physics of when I go higher empathy, how do they respond when I move towards change talk or direction or values, where do they respond? And so I could actually see pretty consistent responses by how I choose to reflect from there. Mm -hmm. And what I liked it was, it was just, it was very time limited. I mean, it was anywhere from, you know, 30 seconds to maybe two and a half minutes Mm -hmm. But it was a chance to just practice those micro skills. But the better I got at it, the more I could sit back and just kind of watch the physics of if you drop this kind of a reflection, how do people tend to respond? Mm-hmm. If you drop these really empathetic responses that are very person centered, mm-hmm. very actively listening, people would respond a certain way. Mm-hmm. And again, it was almost predictable and probable. Mm-hmm. Didn't matter who it was, where I was, anywhere in the world. Um, it was just that you could see some of the same consistent kind of responses So, yeah,
0: it might be culturally egocentric for, for our example but just to end on, on this practical note and we can kind of bring it to a close here what are those examples because you, you talk about like uh, if a store clerk says they did this over the weekend or this over the week would you just kind of explain that so that you could start practicing some of these physics if you wish we've already given you some examples of politics you can yeah. start seeing this at family reunions if you already haven't <laughs> or start reflecting on those that maybe uh, have happened for you now I'm just using this as a a really practical example for, for anyone of you out there to start just paying attention to this. Well,
1: one of the things that we talked about with strategic reflective listening. So obviously when you ask an open end question, then you need to shut up and listen to what they're saying and try to reflect back their reality. I mean, again, there's so many different podcasts. We talk about this, but specifically around strategic responses, aside from sustained talk and change talk, it was just a basic exercise I was getting people to understand in terms of whatever you reflect back, people are going to tend to talk about. So with a store clerk, if I just didn't open ended question, like what are some of your favorite things to do on the weekend? And as they're talking, if they talk about um, taking their dog for a hike and they like to go kayaking and they like playing board games with their friends and they like having a really nice you know, dinner on Sunday nights with some of their closest friends, and I reflect back something around, yeah, getting out on the water in your kayak is something you really enjoy They're not going to talk about board games with their friends. Yeah, most likely, yes. They're going to, whatever I reflect back, they're going to talk more about. So again, it is, there's a predictability and a probability that when people know that you're listening to them, They're going to talk about whatever you were listening to. Mm -hmm. So if I reflect back that you really enjoy knitting and they love to knit, they're going to go on and on and on about knitting. And they're going to talk about that if that's Mm -hmm. something I want to hear more about. So whatever you reflect, Mm -hmm. again, it's almost a physics perspective. Mm -hmm. Whatever you reflect back, people tend to, more often than not, keep talking about that. Mm -hmm. So they can lay 15 different topics out there. And if you reflect one aspect of it back, that tends to be the part that they focus on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Which is so practical. And so when you look at this, this is such a practical, tangible thing. Really, yes. when you start to mindfully be aware of these things around you, whether you're doing full-on MI for a full behavior change conversation... Or not, you can just start to see the physics around you. And yes. really, we're talking about detaching from the outcome, which can feel like, well, what about with my kids or my spouse? Or we're measured by outcomes. What do you mean detach from the outcome, yes. you know? And one explicit thing as we're wrapping this to a close that I want to make sure uh, is really clear is you're getting so mindfully aware to the process. Yes. You're attaching yourself precisely, statement by statement, to the process that the outcome comes, yes. that the outcomes tend to be better when you're present with the process, yes. not present with the outcome at the expense of the process.
1: You know, John, and what I'd add to that as we're wrapping this up, that the thing that I would add to that is one of the things I would tell people consistently, especially organizations or individuals that really do, are attached to some of their outcomes, is what I'll tell them is what you start to realize in motivational interviewing is, you know you can't control the outcome that you can control what comes out of your mouth. Mm-hmm. And this is when you tie it into the, the physics piece of it. There is a predictability and a probability. If you respond certain ways, or you ask certain questions or reflect certain ways, you're increasing the predictability or probability that's going to move towards a behavior change, which isn't that the outcome that we're looking for.
0: It's the outcome they're looking for. If they're coming in for services, exactly. otherwise they wouldn't come in. They wouldn't call. It's ethically what we're exactly. there to do is not just be empathic, but guide. How do we ethically guide? It's starting to pay attention to the physics of what's happening in front of you. That's exactly it. Yeah. So... All right, great. Well, that seems to cap it for the day. (laughs) All right, well, thank you so much for your time, everyone. Hopefully, this has been valuable for you. We are the MI guys, hashtag the MI guys. Feel free, uh, of course, if you're interested in more, to not just follow us, but we are very open as we're doing this membership model to serve you. So, any and all comments, questions, clarifications, maybe there was something that popped on your radar that came up during this that you'd like us to dive deeper into, or maybe uh, with other things like uh, praise versus affirmation. We could have done a whole physics thing yes. just around that yes. that we do in trainings. So there's all sorts of possibilities still uh, for us to do with you.
1: Just let us know what we can do. and Join uh, us on a web call sometime. Yeah. Oh, yes. Web calls. Yes. Anything and, you want to do. There's just so many right ways for you to engage so we can keep this dialogue going in a way that's value added for you. Yes. So.
0: So we will continue to put our intention to be the communication solution to change your world. That is our line. And that's what we're trying to do for you. Hopefully we accomplish that. Thank you for your time. Have a good day. Bye guys. Bye.